Success Insight shares the stories of the people with passion and drive who make things happen in the world. Here's your host, Howard Fox. Hello, everybody, and welcome back for another episode of the Outdoor Adventure Series on the Success Insight Podcast. The Outdoor Adventure Series celebrates individuals and families, businesses, and organizations that seek out and promote the exploration of the great outdoors. Our guest today is Isabel Edwards. Now, Izzy is an 18-year-old nature and wildlife photographer, artist, and conservationist living in the Pacific Northwest, and she is also a jumping spider appreciator and keeper. We're going to have to learn a little bit more about that. Izzy, welcome to the Outdoor Adventure Series on the Success Insight Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Howard. Fantastic. And, you know, I have to say, I have been kind of geeking out knowing that you're going to be on the podcast, Izzy, because I love your photography. And <laughs> thanks so much. You know, and for our listeners, you know, we've been doing a lot of outdoor adventure series episodes, and we recently had Danielle Taylor from the Journal of Wildlife Photography. She is the editor. And when I got to know Danielle, I got to know the Journal of Wildlife Photography and especially their Facebook group. And I began to see these wonderful images of owls, which, which I find extremely fascinating. And I noticed that most of them are by this young lady, Izzy Edwards. And so Izzy, here you are again. And that just, to me, it's very exciting. And I would love if you could share some background of how you got into this whole outdoor wildlife nature photography space of course yeah so my parents have always really been uh, in tune with nature and our natural environment so from a very young age i was taken out by my dad specifically and my mom and we went on all sorts of different hikes around the pacific northwest and just exploring our natural region and also my dad's good friend is um, a photographer, Art Wolf. And so they got to, I kind of got to learn wildlife photography through Art and my dad. And so they'd go out and they'd bring me on some of their uh, trips up to Canada and we'd see snowy owls and all sorts of really cool wildlife. I remember going to this one bird sanctuary where every winter we'd see sawwood owls and great blue herons and these beautiful snow geese and these giant flocks. And it was really just wonderful moments that I remember from my childhood that really started to spark this love of wildlife in my heart. And at first it was a lot of drawing. So I was doing a lot of illustration work, um, especially when I was younger, like 10, 11, 12, I started doing some commissions for pet portraits. And in the Puget Sound, we have these local orca population and each orca has its own special name. So people would commission their own orca portrait by me. So I'd draw orcas for people. And so I, I did a lot of artistry with the natural world and drawing landscapes and wildlife. But it wasn't until I was probably about 13 that I got more um, in tune with wildlife photography. And I started picking up my dad's uh, professional camera and I would borrow it and bring it on the whale watching boat when I'd go out and do um, naturalist tours. And so I'd start learning how to use those settings. And I, you know, used cameras in the past when I was like seven or eight, just point and shoot, taking pictures of the owls. But it wasn't until probably 15 years old or 14 or 15 that I really got my first good picture of an owl and it was a long-eared owl and I remember it was very it was it was a kind of a cloudy afternoon in British Columbia and we were walking on this boardwalk when we saw a long-eared owl that was hiding in the brambles among the fall color and it was just so beautiful and 
the bird's eyes were just this yellow piercing gaze. And I just, I thought to myself, I want to see more of these birds. Like, I, I can't believe I haven't seen, you know, I haven't looked for these owls more. And so that was kind of the beginning of the owl adventures. And, you know, I'd already learned how to use my camera gear in the settings. So 2018, end of 2018, 2019, and 2020, I just dove into this owl photography and I wanted, I wanted to see them all. And so in 2020, I, I did, and I was able to see all 19 of America's owl species. Oh, wow. That is fantastic. Now, I just want to circle back a little bit. So your, your parents were very much into wildlife and nature. And was it in your dad, you said you had taken out his camera. Now, is he a professional photographer? I would say that he's an amateur photographer. He really loves uh, wildlife and landscape photography. He really wanted to be a wildlife photographer for the longest time, but he really has a compositional eye for landscape. And he tried for about 10 years to photograph wildlife, especially when he was alongside Art Wolf and they'd be out on photography expeditions. But he never was quite happy with his wildlife work. And so I think he was really excited and uh, encouraged me when I started to get into it because he felt like he told me on multiple occasions and still does, he feels like I kind of have the eye for wildlife in the family and he has more of the eye for the landscape. So he's definitely, I'd say he he's pro level when it comes to his landscape work because he really does have a great eye for those compositions. It's fantastic. Now he lets you take this camera and and I noticed on your, I think it was your Instagram page, you you list that you have a Canon R5. And for our listeners, that's a camera. If, if I was making a living doing wildlife photography, that's the camera I would buy. But I have a used uh, EOS 60 Mark II, which I'm very happy about, but neither here nor there. But you took this camera out uh, whale watching. And I, to, I would imagine to to take this camera out there you know, with, I would imagine, a relatively long lens and keeping it steady. What was it like, not only to get used to using this camera, but be, to be able to go out on these these boats and doing the, the marine work that you were doing and taking pictures? So how did you kind of roll all that in and, you know, doing the work on the boat, but having the time to take these pictures? Yeah, so at the time I was using my dad, so he had a 40D and a 70 Mark II, I had a 70 and a 70 Mark II. And at the time he was only letting me use the 40D and the 70. Smart so dad. I think Smart dad. Yes, he, he was like, no, you know, my my professional camera is not going in the child's hands on the, on the ocean. But I usually shot with the 40D or 70 Mark II and I had the 100 to 400 uh, Canon lens and it was the original version. So now sure. it's a little over 20 years old. Right. It's, a, it's a great lens. So that one was wonderful being on the boat. So when I was working on the boat as a marine naturalist, I was actually our photo ID and just talking to the guests. So it was my job to also get some um, photos for the web, the Facebook website and the Facebook page. So I'd be out on top of the boat and just trying to balance back and forth because it does get pretty rocky. And it helps having the 100 to 400 because it is a much lighter than my current setup that I have. So I, I haven't been back out on the whale watching boat with my current setup. So I'm not sure how that would go. But at the time, it was just a lot of just trying to get my balance because I didn't have a tripod and um, making sure like, you know, you'd, you'd have the orcas in the frame one second and then the boat would rock over here and then they'd be a hundred yards away. So it was a little difficult, but really fun um, way to learn how to use my camera settings appropriately and learn those exposure the exposure triangle and whatnot with the orcas. Fantastic. And I have to say, I, I have the newer version of the 100 to 400. And so 
I can't wait because it's a new lens for myself. And we have some wildlife areas here in Las Vegas. And so I'm anxious to get out there and shoot birds and eagles, but it's a great lens. And so when you spent this time out on the boat, when did the, you know, the, the kind of the love of the owl start to, to come into the picture for you, or has, had this been going on at the same time, because you have a water, you know, certain times of the year, other times of the year, you know, you're, you can be on land. When did, but when did this kind of movement towards the owl start to take place? Yeah. So I have a very specific point in my life where I'm able to separate those two passions. And while working on the whale watching boat, we were having some trouble working with the legalities of watching the Southern resident killer whales. And in the Puget Sound, we have two different subspecies of orca. And one of those is the Southern resident killer whales. And they are unfortunately critically endangered. And there's only, I think right now, 72 orcas left in the population. So their numbers are really dwindling fast. And so in 2018, it became illegal to watch the Southern resident killer whales. And it kind of, it was a big change for whale watching in Puget Sound because for the past, you know, 30 so years, uh, a lot of our ecotourism has been watching these orcas and people come from around the world to see J-Pod and L-Pod, these famous orcas that were filmed during Free Willy. And so after it became illegal, it was a very, very sad time in my life, I remember, because my favorite animal in the world was going extinct faster than, you know, in front of your eyes. And I stopped working on the whale watching boat because we, they, they cut a lot of the the staff on the boat. And there was a big time where I don't think my, our boat was even going out. And I, when I got back on land and wasn't really out on the boat much in the weekends, I kind of was at a loss at what to do. Like, you know, this is my passion. I go out on the water pretty much every week. And now since I can't do that, I started doing a lot of these nature walks and I'd go on different trips locally. So Vancouver, BC, or just Eastern Washington to just go out and look at wildlife. And I wasn't really looking for anything in particular, just kind of exploring our Pacific Northwest region and you know, and enjoying nature. And that's in late 2018, November of 2018, I believe it was when I had that experience with the long-eared owl that we saw on the boardwalk. And oh my gosh, it just, it just completely, it felt like my heart stopped seeing that bird so close and just, she was even below eye level. So she was probably at waist level to me and I had to squat down to see her and she was just so beautiful. So I think that is definitely the defining moment when it kind of switched from, from whale watching to, to owls. And ever since that day with the longer doll, it's been owls ever since. Wow. Now, I know you you shared a picture with me that we're going to put on the banner. And, and I want to thank you for that, because it actually put me in a position of having to, to expand or realign some of the, the imagery and the wording on my banner, because I wanted to get as much of you and the owl in the picture. So thank you for that in advance. Of course, You'll yeah. see it. <laughs> but how far do you have to travel out of the out of your home to go into an area where these owls live because I was looking at some of your your Instagram pages I mean you actually have names for some of the owls and I I know I should have written it down like Pancho or Paco and his girlfriend (laughs) or something like that but where do you have to go and how far or how far away is it for you to be able to be in a position where you can just spend time in nature you know sit walk, be patient and to, to be able to see these wonderful birds. 
Yeah, so that's a great question. Here in Washington state, we actually have 15 out of the 19 American owl species, which is quite a lot for just one state. So luckily for seeing the majority of American species, I don't really have to go too far. And um, so usually for Poncho and Poncha, that's the lovely couple that I see in Seattle. And they actually lived right next to my home for the longest time. And I just had to go right up the street and I'd spend hours day after day with poncho and poncha, especially in early spring. So March and April is a great time for them. And they're super vocal, super active right around sunset. And so they are really accessible. And unfortunately, recently I moved far away from them. So now I'm about two hours from poncho and poncha, but I'm trying to establish some relationships with the owls that are in the new neighborhood. So we have a barred owl pair that lives up the street from us, maybe a couple minutes. And I'm hoping to find them, but I haven't, I haven't got eyes on them yet. So that's for the more local owl species, like barred owls that hang out near the city and great horned owls also hang out near the city. So I can see them relatively like behind my house. We had a, a nesting pair behind my apartment near Seattle last year. And so those species are, I don't have to go far, but when it comes to like my owl big year where I'm trying to see all 19 of America's owl species, that definitely requires a fair bit of traveling. And in the year of 2020, I was able to complete it. And I say the farthest we went for one species was Southern Mexico. And that was on the oh, border wow. of Belize. We had the Phrygianus pygmy owl on December 26. So only a few days before the end of the year where I could complete my owl big year. And we got that little pygmy owl. So that was quite a trek for one bird. Usually they hang out in Southern Arizona, but I had struck out multiple times when I went to look for them. So we decided last minute, my mom surprised me with we we're going to do Christmas in Mexico. And I just happened to look up maybe the Phrygianus pygmy owl hangs out near Mexico. And to my surprise, the like where our hotel was that we were staying was like the hot spot for that species in the world. So we had a great time with them. And I think we found four or five of them. So oh, wow. yeah, yeah, it definitely depends. So the local species, not far at all, but I know also in 2020, we went to the East Coast, New Jersey for the Eastern Screech Owl. So that one was also a, a far trek. Okay. Wow. And I, and I, by the way, I, I am an incredibly opportunistic individual. I just want to let you know that, Izzy. I am going to get up to your neck of the woods because I want to go out there shooting with you, especially when these are in your back door. I mean, I just cannot oh, yeah. believe that. It's oh, awesome. yeah, yeah. There, there was a gentleman I met at the Outdoor Writers Association of America, their annual conference this past year, and actually two weeks ago, what am I saying? And he was very much a fisherman, but he also had these wonderful images out on Long Island of snow owls, which I, you know, if you're a Harry Potter fan, of course, you like snow <laughs> owls. But I mean, to me, they were gorgeous. But I think all owls in, you know, for that matter, are absolutely just amazing creatures. And the fact that you have these out, literally outside your door, I find is just truly amazing. I mean, it's, you know, couldn't plan that any better than if you tried. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely great to live in a region that has so many of them just in the back door. And it's great. Like I know, you know, growing up in this region, I kind of grew up thinking like owls are super common and people see them all the time. But it's only probably because, you know, I grew up around parents that we went looking for these birds. And it wasn't until I was probably 10 that I realized a lot of my friends are like, what the heck? I've, I've never seen an owl before. Like, how are you seeing all these owls? And I, you know, that's kind of when I realized that you know, not everyone has the opportunity to see them. And it might take like a little bit of searching, hanging out past sunset to see them, but especially in areas of Seattle, 
pretty much all of my neighbors can say that they hear owls in the backyard every night, but they'd never get to see them because they, I guess they don't go out after sunset or they don't spend a lot of time looking for them, even though they just live right in the backyard. That's, that is amazing. And I'm curious, your friends, I mean, obviously they know that you have an affinity for wildlife, nature, photography. Do they go out shooting with you? Uh, Or or at least join you, or at least join you. (laughs) Yeah, so I have a lot of my friends I made in high school. So a couple years back, like I, you know, maybe a few years back, so when I was a freshman in high school, I made a lot of connections with the kids in our school. And I had a lot of friends that were more into, but they weren't too much into nature and they were more into sports and, you know, their phones and regular high school things. And I would encourage my friends, like on multiple occasions, like we have local foxes that hang out on this island near my, um, near my home. And I asked on multiple occasions to my buddies, like, do you guys want to come out and see baby foxes? We can, you know, you can take your phone pictures and selfies with the foxes, but it's almost always like, yeah, I'd love to come. And then they never want to make plans. It's always like, well, maybe I'd rather go out to the movies tonight. So I definitely have had friends say they want to come, but very, very few occasions have I had my, my high school's friends and peers come out and see wildlife with me. Oh my God. If I was there, if I, if I was in high school with you, I would, I mean, just knowing me, I've always been interested in photography. I would so be there. So when you go out shooting now, you know, you have your parents, do you shoot, you know, are you solitary? Do you go out with a group, maybe, you know, some other enthusiast? I mean, how are you, you know, obviously you have the time because it's, it's literally in your backyard and that's the wonderful thing about weekends. Is anybody else enjoying this experience with you? Yeah, for sure. I I think definitely like um, the number one people I bring along with me are my parents. My mom and dad come on a lot of adventures with me because they are just for the longest time. I think my dad really wanted to see a lot of these owl species, but maybe he just uh, didn't get the time to go out and see them. But now that I have found and put in the time to find the locations for them, my dad is so excited to come along with me and see some of the rare species in our you know um, our state so we'll see you know the boreal owl we went two weeks ago looking for boreal owls and that's probably I'd say the boreal owls the most elusive species in North America they're not the most uncommon or rare they're just uh, they hang out in very very high elevation around 7,000 feet and they only call like one one or two weeks out of the year and they're purely nocturnal so super hard to find and I think my dad was really excited to go out and look for him with me two weeks ago. And we had one that was like five feet away from our head that was calling. That was really cool. Oh, wow. And so definitely parents come with me a lot on trips. Um, I have made a lot of connections through Instagram and social media with other wildlife photographers. And so oftentimes I'll, you know, text a friend if I'm in their area, if they're in my area, they'll message me and say that they want to look for owls or I'll say, you know, if you want to meet up and look for something. So I'll, I'll go in like this past weekend, yesterday, I, I met up with my friends in Yellowstone and I was in Tetons and we met up and photographed moose and whatnot. So that was pretty cool. But unfortunately, not a lot of my friends come and visit me in Washington. I always offer like, you got to come see the owls in the winter, but nobody ever comes up. So you know, <laughs> I, these years. first of all, is you said, you know, Yellowstone, Tetons so casually, you know, it's <laughs> like, that was so casual and <laughs> You know, one of the things I like about, for example, Las Vegas, and for my listeners, you will have heard me say this before, I love getting out to the desert. And I love dark sky photography, the Milky Way. And oh, there's yeah, a, that's so fun. Yeah. And there's, there's an area about an, an hour and a half north called Lake Parangasset. 
and during the winter the 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 eagles arrive and oh, wow. but i would love you know in the winter just to see the owls that you're seeing and be such a cool i mean i think that is so cool just to be able to do that and as you begin to or continue your development you know as a photographer a nature photographer artist yeah, i know you're into conservation and how are you using this gift and it is truly a gift to be able to educate and inform inspire others through your work yeah so I, that's one of my favorite things i love doing is especially inspiring youth like kids my even peers my age like just get out and you know, contribute towards our planet because we are in trouble and our planet isn't doing so good. And if we get, you know, our, you know, the kids of our future to get more interested in wildlife and conservation and protecting our natural world, I think we'll have a lot, you know, healthier of a future for our planet. So to try and get people involved, I do a lot of conservation work. And I think a lot of people really recognize, like, especially if you get a picture with an owl. So I, I try and post like after conservation work of like handling and banding owls, I'll post a lot of photos of me handling the owls and give a full description, especially in like Facebook or Instagram of like why we do what we do for these owls and like why it's important to get them out of their nest and ban them and weigh them and kind of just give an, an explanation. And when people see these photos of, you know, a young girl handling an owl, it's like, oh my gosh, what is that? That's you know, why is she holding that bird? So then they, they read the caption. They're like, oh, that's, you know, that's really interesting. I didn't know that, you know, our burrowing owls were in crisis and they need some help and volunteer work. And I didn't know that our flammulated owls need this or that. And it, I think it really inspires people like, oh my gosh, this is a job. This is a career that you can actually pursue is helping wildlife and getting hands-on involved with them. So I think definitely sharing like the stories of my conservation work is very helpful to getting people inspired because I almost always get like at least 20 comments saying, how can I help and how can I get involved in what you're doing? I, you know, I want your job. How can I do this? I think that's the biggest way. <laughs> that's very cool. When we first started the call before we hit the record button, I, I kind of wanted to confirm some information about you. So you are, you know, a recent high school graduate, but you also went on to head college early on. So you have your associate's degree. Is, is this the interest in high school and now in in college or community, you know, where you got the associates, is this in the area of wildlife and conservation? What, what type of studies are you doing? Yeah, so for my associate's degree, that was for running start program with Washington. It was basically just a regular general associate's degree to get your foot in the door. But once I go to university, I'm hoping to pursue maybe like forestry or something along the lines of you know environmental work and. I know a lot of my friends that, you know, are park rangers, and that's kind of one of my ultimate goals is to be a park ranger when I'm older. They do the forestry programs through college and stuff, and that kind of gets you a good foot in the door towards being a park ranger and stuff like that. So that's something I've been looking into. Fantastic. Now, with your photography, now, again, for our listeners, I discovered Izzy's work on the Journal of Wildlife Photography's uh, private Facebook group. You have a lot of photos posted up there. What are you, what's your reaction to number one posting? And in some ways you're kind of putting yourself out there. Like here's my work. And you know, I know the journal itself. I mean, a lot of them, there's a lot of education that's going on. There's also, as you know, as I know, everybody's got an opinion. Okay. Mm -hmm, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So what's your experience 
really putting your work out there for others to see. Because and again, I found it amazing. I mean, it's like, oh man, I want to go out and shoot with this young lady. But what, what is your reaction to just putting your photos out there and getting the reaction from the, the other members of the group? So for the most part, it's really wonderful members. And, you know, a lot of people just have similar interests and they see your photos and it's a lot of positive feedback. And for the most part, I, I really enjoyed that. It, it feels very encouraging to post in the journal. And then, you know, after a few hours, you look at your post and it has all these comments and engagement and it makes my, you know, you makes my heart feel a little warm and like, you know, people, you know, appreciate your work as much as they do. What you're sharing with people like me and other viewers is just totally amazing. And I think you are really just an exceptional photographer and Again, I'm incredibly envious in my own way because I want to sh I want to go out and shoot these owls because I didn't even really I mean I know owls they're in the forest I heard some up in Vermont so I know they're there but just the fact that they are in your backyard is just to me totally amazing and be to be able to handle them as well and to be able to help with the banding and just I mean who knew that people are actually doing this kind of work so really I, I applaud you for for really the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And I think one of the biggest things that comes with sharing these very intimate experiences with the owls, handling them and, you know, getting these close experiences. I think it's definitely, I just try and keep positive and like surround myself by all these, you know, wonderful, encouraging people. And it really is such a great journey and like so exhilarating to finally get that shot because I can, I can totally relate with the owls, you know, trying to get that one species that might be a little too hard and, you know, you have to go at night with either lights or whatnot to just get that one shot and you know compared to somebody who you know maybe sees that bird all the time my, my picture is probably eh, but to me it's like one of my favorite photos and so might not be the technically the best but those memories that you made capturing the image is really what you take home in your heart almost definitely what's in store for you and your in, you know as you know say that like the coming year and your you know, your to-do list for photography and the photos that you want to capture, what's on your agenda? Yeah, so for the longest time, I've been focused on these owls for the past three years. I've really been trying to get all these, you know, different owl compositions and the different species. And now that I've done the big year and I'm, I'm trying to do it again this year, <laughs> I only have a couple of species left this year. Um, but I, I wouldn't say like I'm, I'm necessarily like bored of owls. Like obviously I love seeing them and I'm going to get out and see them as much as I can. But I noticed like the past few months, I have recently been trying to get more into bear photography and fox photography. So I, I really, really love bears and foxes. They've got to be like my second favorites next to the owl. And recently this, this uh, past summer, I was able to get up to Alaska and just tour around and see the brown bears up there. And it was really just one of the most magical experiences I've ever had. So I'm hoping next year I can get out to places like Montana, Wyoming, and Tetons a little bit more and just go and look for for bears and some bigger mammals, because I think that's kind of like the direction I'm I'm kind of steering towards at the moment. That's very cool. And, and again, getting back to the Journal of Wildlife Photography, there have been some exceptional bear pictures this year and a couple wolf pictures. And and by the way, as someone whose last name is Fox, I definitely have an affinity for foxes. So <laughs> they're uh, so fun. Yes, and they're, they're I mean they're very lots of energy, lots of energy. So I'm I'm curious too is what advice would you give someone, Izzy, that really, you know, maybe it's just starting to pick up a camera, 
you know, maybe has come across some pictures like on the journal or, you know, your shots on Instagram, what advice would you give for somebody I, new? I think like, especially if you're trying to get into wildlife photography, the biggest thing that beginners kind of often overlook is they really want to get up close and get those sharp shots first. Because when we're first into wildlife photography, we see in all these groups like the journal, these super sharp portrait images of these wild animals up close. And the first thing we want to do is just get that same, you know, clarity and that same closeness with our, with our subject. And for beginners, I'd say my best advice is to scrap that. Try not to, you know, run right up to your subject and, you know, get that face shot or portrait shot real quickly. Instead, I recommend to sit down and uh, just kind of, you know, immerse yourself in the nature and, just kind of be one with your subject, not try and gain anything from it, not try and get up really close and closer and closer, creep up closer, but, you know, just enjoy watching the animal comfortably from where you are. And I've noticed that, especially with owls, if you just sit and wait at a respectful distance, they will eventually either, you know, wake up or if they're hunting, hunting, they will come right your way and right your direction and get really close, especially if they trust you after um, a period of time. And also going along with that, once you are with a subject that you're shooting, try and uh, get different angles, not you know just stand and shoot from one perspective, but really try and walk around different angles of your subject and try and see like different lighting and composition and maybe different foreground or background values that you like. And just really not trying to like just stand and shoot, but really looking for all those different opportunities and angles. I love that. It's great advice. And I will definitely take that when I get up to the lake and attempt with my shots of the, of the eagles. So I, I've got to ask this question because I can't let it go before we end the show. Tell me about the jumping spiders. What in the <laughs> heck is going on here? <laughs> oh my goodness. So that is a great question. So earlier this spring, I was hanging out with my good friend Zia and Zia is a Northern spotted owl biologist, but she is also a just a lover of pretty much any critter and I mean this girl loves ticks and she thinks ticks are cute so we're out in her backyard and we're looking at all sorts of different bugs and critters are hanging out in her backyard and she was telling me about her jumping spider friends and I'm, I'm kind of thinking like oh yeah I kind of know what a jumping spider is they they got the big eyes and you know they're they're harmless and so I'm kind of wondering like she has jumping spider friends like what does this mean and so she has in pretty much every corner of her yard or in her house she has a jumping spider pal that she has named and she feeds and <laughs> I just thought that was so crazy and I wanted to look for one of her jumping spider friends so I'm like where do they usually hang out so she showed me a couple areas around the yard that the jumping spiders hang out and sure enough within one minute of looking there's this jumping spider I see underneath her. So her kids have this big play um, thing with a slide and everything. And the jumping spider is hanging underneath the lip of the slide. So I look under and I'm not a big spider fan. And at the time I was, I, I'm actually kind of scared of spiders. So I get this long stick and I didn't want to like hurt him or poke him or anything, but I got the stick and I just kind of put it in front of him <laughs> to kind of <laughs> see what he'd do. Cause I'm like, is this guy going to like jump on my face? Like, I don't know what's going to happen here. So I put the stick in front of him. And at the time, he was kind of like under the lip of the slide. And as soon as he saw the stick, he runs out under of the slide. I'm like, what the heck? I've never seen a bug or spider like respond in this way before. So then this, the, the jumping spider, it comes out and it follows my stick around. And wherever I put the stick, the jumping spider would run after it. And it would turn and tilt its head and like really try and analyze the stick. And I, I was like, what the heck? Am I like actually seeing a spider with 
you know, intelligence that's like trying to figure out its surroundings. And I, I didn't know that spiders were intelligent until I met the jumping spider. And so I kind of got the confidence to pick him up. So I, I picked him up and he was just intent at looking at me and he would just tilt his head and he would get closer to my face. And it was like just an experience I, I, <laughs> I can't really explain, like with a, with a bug that seems to be sentient and know that you're also a living being. So I kind of looked at looked it up and did some research and I found out, holy crap, it's true that jumping spiders are currently, science has found that they are probably one of the most intelligent insects on the planet and they can recognize living beings. And I thought that was so cool. And they can, they're super inquisitive and they, they did all this other studies with their brains and stuff. So I just kind of fell in love with them. And over the months, I tried looking for them in my home state because my friend Zia lives in Oregon. So went back up to Washington. I'm looking for these jumping spiders and I can't find any. And I'm like, what the heck? So I look up, you know, jumping spider species in my state. And unfortunately, Washington state is like the only state in the U.S. that does not have many of the larger jumping spider species. We have a lot of like the teeny tiny, like microscopic ones, but we don't have a lot of the bigger species. So what I found out is you can actually order them online okay. and not only can you order them online, but you can pick out a particular breeder that has bred a particular color line of recessive gene of jumping spider. It is crazy. It's almost like dog breeding, how, you know, complex this is, but they're like trying to find out the different, you know, recessive genes for whatever color this spider is. And you can find like, you know, this particular color variant spider. So my first spider I ever adopted online was from Indonesia and her name, <laughs> her name is Java and she's a Bella Vista jumping spider breeding line from Indonesia. And she's about the size of my thumb. And I just fell in love with her. And I started, I, I bought a macro lens and she's, they're trainable. Like I, I didn't think you could train a spider, but you can train her to go through mazes. She can jump on your hand, like on command. It's, it's pretty crazy. So they're something I could probably talk about all day, but. <laughs> oh my. And I have to share with you, Izzy, the shiver started when you said I picked it up. You know, <laughs> you're back in the, yeah. your friend's backyard with the stick. It's like, oh my God, I'm shivering right now. <laughs> And I definitely was not to like, I, I picked up spiders in the house and like saved them and put them in the backyard before, but like, I'm not, I'm not into spiders. And I, you know, I wasn't wanting to pick that little guy, but guy up, but as soon as I saw his reaction to the stick, I'm like, all right, I trust you. You're not going to bite me. So I picked him up and he was just so cute. And I brought him back in and my, my friend Zia has two kids and oh my gosh, the kids were all over the spider and they were, they were just having so much fun. And it was just so fun to hang out with this little insect that was almost like a tiny dog. <laughs> oh my, oh my. You know, I think I'm going to leave it at that with the spider, but I'm, I'm so glad you shared that story. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, I, I usually don't run away when I see a spider or I don't see too many snakes. You know, it's, you know, there's definitely an aversion to it, but I, you know, some people yell, scream and run away. But mm -hmm. there's it. I definitely have to collect my wits about me before I would uh, put it <laughs> willingly put a spider on my hand. Now, I have <laughs> held snakes before, but you know, definitely not the snakes that I would find out in the Mojave National Preserve. But neither here nor there. Is I do have an ask for you, Izzy, and I would love if you would share uh, some of the pictures you've shot, and in fact, even your pets you know, jumping spider, if you have a shot of 
of this young insect and, you know, maybe it's by itself or you're, it's, it's, you know, comfortable in your hand, but I would love if you could share, you know, a shot of it, you know, perhaps even like the pygmy owl that you were shooting down in, you know, Southern Mexico. And of course, Pancho and Pancha. I, I love if, you know, again, the shots like that for our webpage, Success Insight Podcast, it would be so great to share some of your work uh, with our listeners if you're open to doing that. Oh yeah, of course. That would be, that would be great. Fantastic. Now, if our listeners would like to learn more about you and your work, where are the best places for them to go? Yeah, for sure. So my Instagram is where kind of like my public gallery is where my most recent posts will be and where I'm most active. And that's Northwest underscore wildlife on Instagram. But if you would like to purchase some of my prints and not all of my prints are available for purchase, unfortunately, but my website is isabelledwardsphoto.com. Isabel spelled I-S-A-B-E-L-L-E. Okay, fantastic. And we're going to definitely provide the backlinks to your website, isabelledwardsphoto.com, as well as Instagram at Northwest underscore wildlife. And we'll provide for our listeners the, at least the the website, the Journal of Wildlife Photography, and they'll, they can then get to hopefully find some of your shots there. If they're not already there, I know they're going to be there as well as the, they can then find the, the social sites for the journal. Izzy, it's been an absolute pleasure. Again, I was just so looking forward to chatting with you and I just so admire the work that you're doing and your your images, again, are totally amazing. And I am definitely going to get up to the Pacific Northwest in the winter. I mean, I think Southwest does fly between Las Vegas and Seattle. And so I am going to figure out a way to get up there so I can go shooting with you. I think that would be so much fun. Yeah, that would be great. And thanks so much for having me on. And I can't wait to if we'll meet up in person this winter. That'd be great. Fantastic. So listen, hang tight. We're going to do a quick close and then you and I can chat some more. Okay. Cool. Very good. All right, folks. We have just been chatting with Isabel Izzy Edwards. She's an outdoor enthusiast, wildlife and nature photographer, an artist, a conservationist and an appreciator of jumping spiders. And she is a spider keeper because she has a pet spider. I'm still shivering. But I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I mean, what an amazing young lady. She's 18 years old. And, you know, and really, you know, credits and kudos to her parents, just really with the and to dad, who's giving up one of his non-professional cameras so she can go out and shoot with it. It's just really the the idea that, you know, so young and really so talented around her, her nature photography and her shots of the owls. And I know there's some bigger wildlife out there that she has shot, especially the fox, which I totally appreciate. It's just a wonderful, you know, journey that she is going on and just the skills that she is developing to really be this consummate nature and wildlife photographer. We hope you enjoyed this episode uh, with Izzy and, you know, let us know what you think. You know, you can visit us on successinsightpodcast.com. You can leave a comment, you can like, check out the pictures we're going to share on the site. You can also find us on the LinkedIn and on Facebook, our Success Insight podcast pages. Before the end of the year, we're going to be uh, breaking off the outdoor adventure series into its own website. But until then, successinsightpodcast.com is the place to be. As far as our 
podcasting platforms are concerned, you can find us on Amazon Music, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast. We are on Audible, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and especially Spotify, where we actually have all of our Outdoor Adventure Series episodes available for you to download. And I think once we uh, publish this episode with Izzy, I think we're going to be up to 29, 30 episodes. So I think you could probably drive across the U.S. at least one way and listen to all these episodes. So we definitely are pretty excited uh, about the growing library of Outdoor Adventure Series episodes uh, that we have. Okay, folks, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, go out there, have a phenomenal day. Take care of yourselves, your family, practice social distancing if it makes sense, wear your mask if it makes sense, but above all, you know, be good and take, you know, think about the community, think about nature, and they all affect each other. So, you know, look into, you know, conservationists, look into activities that you can work on to really make, you know, this, this living together, you know, surviving and being in nature as pleasurable and as, as, you, as it can be. You can tell folks I'm going off script. Hope you enjoyed again this episode of the Outdoor Adventure Series on the Success Insight Podcast, and we will see you again for another episode. Take care now. Success Insight is a production of Fox Coaching and First Story Strategies. Find us online, successinsightpodcast.com.